It is great to see you this morning. How thankful are you? Are you a thankful person? Would you say that overall, when people think of you, they would actually say, yes, I, I, I'd agree. You're a thankful person. You say thank you a lot. You're, you're very gracious. You're kind with your words. You are a thankful person. That's a great question, isn't it? We're entering a series called The Art of Thanksgiving. We want our kids to be thankful. We try to teach them good manners and how to be thankful, how to respond when somebody is kind or nice to them. We try to even write thank you notes ourselves and to to respond in a certain way. Thankfulness is a very important aspect of our lives. Now, I I did some research on this, and here's what uh, I found this article very intriguing. It was in USA Today, and here's what it said. Some doctors think that they have found a way to improve your health. This there's new treatment will lower your blood pressure, help you feel less hostile, help you to quit smoking, and even to lose weight. Now, that's a pretty big promise, right? Okay, it keeps going. You can lower your risk of depression, phobias, bulimia, and alcoholism. Are you ready to hear what it is? What is this miracle cure? Giving thanks. Several recent studies have reported and pointed to the benefits of regular Thanksgiving. Now, that's not actually eating Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, just in case. I don't want you to get sidetracked, okay? This is giving thanks. Um, Robert Emmons, professor of psychology at the University of California, goes on to say in his book, he says, practicing gratitude is like exercising. Use it, and you won't lose it, even when times are tough. He goes on to say, that those who offer gratitude are less envious and resentful, they sleep longer, exercise more, and report a drop in blood pressure. Wow. Gratitude. How thankful are you? Now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You have probably heard these verses before. Three short verses Verse 16, 17, and 18. More than likely, if you've been around the Christian church for any amount of time, or you've been to a a, a sermon, you might even have heard these verses. Maybe you have even committed them to memory. You know these verses. And yet, what the Apostle Paul is going to tell us today is there's three simple actions. These three simple actions are actually God's will for your life as a believer. Now, how many of you would like to say, hey, I would love to know God's will for my life, yes? Yes? Okay, I'm the only one. There are times in my life, I'll just help you out. Since nobody raised your hand, I'm going to just explain to you, this is kind of how my mind works every once in a while. You get into those places and those times in which you're going, God, there's good options back and forth. There's even some just bad options. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And you just pray for God's will, right? You pray for God to show up and answer. And it'd be nice if God would open up the heavens, the light would shine down, and you'd hear, Heath, do this! Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, it would be an amazing thing when God would just speak and just say, this is what you should do. Now, just so we're clear, in just a moment, when we read these verses, Paul is going to end by saying, this is the will of God for you. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is the way in which you are designed and meant to live as a believer in Christ. All right, are you ready? Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Go all the way down to verse 16. It's an extremely long verse. Are you ready? Rejoice 
always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. God, thank you for allowing us together in this place to be able to celebrate your presence, to be able to celebrate what you have done in our lives. And God, I'm asking now that as we enter into this time, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. I pray that you would anoint me from on high. God, give me the words to say. And dear Lord, I pray that you'd give us the ears to hear so that, Heavenly Father, you'll be glorified today. Give us the courage to apply it to our lives so that we walk out of here a different and a changed people because we've heard from the Almighty. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know how many of you like art or the fine arts, all the different types of art. There's a lot of different types of art from from drama to theater to movies to, to music to even painting or drawing. How many of you really enjoy art? Okay, good. Some people are maybe on the other spectrum and you can't stand art. Anybody like that? Okay, a couple people. How many of you cannot draw at all? Okay, good, all right. So here's what, not good, I'm sorry that you can't draw, but anyway. So yesterday we had this project, all right. Um, my, one of my daughters, she has this project. And um, so what we had to do is we had to get poster boards out, and then we had to start cutting things. Have you ever had these school projects where it's more about the parent working than it is a kid? It's interesting because I thought when I graduated I was going to be done with school. I didn't realize I was going to have to repeat it all over again. It's a good thing I didn't pay attention the first time, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so so I'm, we're working on this project, and we're having, to, we're having to cut things out, and we're gluing things. And praise the Lord for glue sticks, where you can get it all smashed, you can put it on, and then you can go, whoops, and you can pull it all off, right? And then you put it on again. Now, the beautiful thing about art is that art allows you to express in multiple different ways what is going on inside you. And what we do with art is this. We teach art in school to, to help people refine their, their craft or maybe be able to enjoy expressing themselves in new ways. No one just automatically is good. You actually have to practice being good at it. Now, even though there's somebody who is extremely talented with music and they could sit down and they could begin to play, at some point they had to actually practice that as well, right? Are you following? So although art is something that is a gift... It is also something that you have to be taught, you have to practice, and then you have to consistently do. Now, the reason we're talking about the art of thanksgiving is you and I know we're supposed to be thankful people, right? You know that. You, you know it, it's, it's an easy statement. Yes, of course I'm supposed to be thankful. But the problem with being thankful, the problem with thanksgiving, is that if we're not consciously working on it, we are going backwards, Did you catch that? If you're not actually consistently saying, I need to make sure this is a priority in my life, the reality is, is you're going to start losing it and you're going to start going backwards. Now, here's what we have to do. As we begin to start building out this idea of art, every good artist has to have supplies, whether it's a sheet of music or whether it's a piece of clay. You have to have some kind of supply. And here's what the Word of God says for us. That we actually have three different supplies, art supplies, that you and I need. And as a believer, this is what we are supposed to be doing. 
Verse 16 says what? Rejoice. Rejoice when? When you're old? Rejoice when you're young? Rejoice when you have good health? Rejoice when there's money in the bank? Rejoice when you have a car? When you have a nice house? Rejoice when you have good health? When are we to rejoice? It says what? Always. Do you see that? Now here's the problem. Now pay attention. Watch this. If this is the will of God for my life as a believer, if this is the will of God for your life as a believer, watch. You ready? If I am a Christian and I am not rejoicing, then I am sinning. Did you hear that? Rewind. Catch this. If this is the will of God, the will of God is for me to rejoice and to be rejoicing. And if I am not rejoicing, then that is actually considered what? Sin. There are many Christians, maybe you've met them, where they are just old sourpusses. They just, they just have this they have sour face. It's like they just stuck a lemon drop in their mouth. And they just walk around just sour. And they, they sit, soak, and sour. And that's all. that would preach right there. That would be fun. It's a good Baptist alliteration, sit, soak, sour. And, and that's what we have. We have a bunch of people who, that they get frustrated, and that's all they are. Now, the Apostle Paul says this, guys, listen. You're to rejoice always. And it's not based on your circumstances. Well, happiness, you've heard about happiness. Happiness is, is really based on your circumstances. It's happiness is based on the happenings. But as a Christian, you're called to go beyond being happy, and you're called to have joy. The root of rejoicing is joy. And it's the idea that I have joy that's unshakable. Why? Because of what God has done for me and what God is doing in me and what God is doing through me. It's because God is doing something amazing. Now, what is the idea of rejoicing? If I have joy and it's based on what God has done and what God is doing, then I have this joy that surpasses all circumstances. And what I am called to do is because I have joy that surpasses everything that's going on in my life, I'm called to rejoice. I'm called to celebrate what God's doing in my life. Now watch. What is celebration? Some people of you, some people maybe are very expressive in their celebration. Other people are maybe a little bit more quiet. When I went to uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she had uh, some ball, uh, ball games, basketball tournament this weekend on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So when I go to a ball game, I, I am so passive and laid back that I, uh, I, I never yell, never really get into the game. You know, when the ref makes a bad call, I just sit back and say, that's okay. When my, my, my daughter, when, she, uh, when she, uh, she scores, I don't say anything. I just sit back and go, of course she did. She should have, right? No way. Guess what I'm doing? The ref knows I'm in the building. I mean, he and I are on like first name basis. I'm going, hey, buddy, short one, let's go. Come on, make the call. He knows I'm in there. Why? Because I'm talking to him. I'm interacting. My daughter knows when she scores, I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. She hears me. She goes, Dad, I can hear you from the, the girls. Dad, just back up a little bit. Now, why is there rejoicing? Because she's my girl, right? She's my daughter. And here's what happens for us. When there's joy because of what God is doing in our lives, no matter whether you can sing or not, there's this point where you're just going, God, I'm amazed by who you are, and you celebrate him. 
What we do when we come into this place, this is a way in which we begin to express. You don't have to have the ability to sing. There's many of you who, who don't have the ability, like me. I cannot sing. If you're putting me by two different people, a person over here who's singing one part, I don't even know what the parts are, and you sing another part over here, guess what's going to happen to my voice? I'm singing one word over here, and I'm singing one word over here. I, I don't know how to do it. And there's, there's been points in my life where I get so frustrated with trying to sing, I, just, I back up and say, I just can't do it. Forget it. And then, when you get to that point when you realize, wait a minute, it's not about how good I sound. It's about celebrating what God has done in my life. And then you can step back and say, wow, God, you're really doing that? You've done that in my life? Look what you've done. And as those words begin to come up and you're singing, I, it's, it's about him and it's his. And so it's automatically a celebration. Do you see? The hard part is this. Life comes at us. And when life comes at us, it takes the wind of our, out of ourselves. We don't want to rejoice. We don't want to celebrate. When we get hit hard, we don't want to celebrate. And it's hard. It's hard to rejoice in what God is doing because you're going, God, where are you? But we're called to rejoice always. And it requires maybe a change of perspective. Maybe a change of, okay, God, you're called me to do it. And I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. And right now it's extremely hard and it doesn't even make sense. But right now I need a change of perspective. So I'm going to celebrate and rejoice in who you are, what you are, and what you're doing. And that you're going to do something and you're going to show up. I'm going to rejoice. Change the perspective. It's like this little boy, Johnny, who... He's five years old. His dad put him at bed at night. He said, Johnny, good night. I love you. Kissed him on the cheek. And as he's walking out, he's turning out the lights. Little Johnny said, Dad, can I have a drink of water? I'm thirsty. Johnny, you know it's time for bed. It's not time to get another drink. It's time to go to bed. You can get a drink in the morning. He goes ahead and closes the door. I love you. And as he walks away, a few minutes later, little Johnny cries out, Dad, Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink? So dad comes back in, and what does dad say? Johnny, you told, I already told you once. You're not getting a drink tonight. It's already past your bedtime. You need, it's time to go to sleep. Shuts the door. I love you. Goes back and sits down. Just a few minutes later, little Johnny calls out again. Dad, dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink? Dad comes back in and says, Johnny, I've already told you a couple times now. If I have to come back in, I'm spanking you. So he kisses him, says, I love you, and walks out the door. A few minutes later, little Johnny calls out again, Dad, Dad, when you come in to spank me, can you bring me a glass of water? <laughs> he figured out how to work the system, right? Hey, guys, it's a change of perspective. What happens is when you are in the crisis, when you don't want to rejoice, when you don't want to celebrate, when you actually make the choice and you say, God, I am here, I don't really want to rejoice, I don't even really know how to celebrate in the midst of my pain right now, in the midst of what I am feeling, God, I'm choosing to rejoice because it's your will, it's what you called me to do. So God, I'm going to celebrate who you are and what you've done. Thank you for salvation. And you begin to walk through and you celebrate who he is. It begins to change your perspective. Now follow along. This is the will of God that we rejoice, right? What's the next one? It says that we are to pray when? Without stopping. Holy cow. Okay, it's hard enough just to pray, right? So now how are we supposed to pray? Dude, we're supposed to pray all the time. Pray all the time. 
Now, wait a minute. Does that mean we have to actually have our hands folded and pray? No, you'll have wrecks if you drive your car. Do you have to always keep your eyes closed when you're praying? No, you don't. So how are we supposed to pray all the time? Should you have times of prayer where it's maybe extended or longer periods? Sure, 5, 10, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, an hour, whatever that is, whatever that segment is. But he says pray without ceasing. Why? Because this is the will of God for you, that you are constantly in communication with your Heavenly Father. So throughout the day, when you're having conversations with God, something like this might happen in your schedule. Okay, God, I have a meeting right now. I'm walking out. Would you guide my thoughts and guide my words so that I say the right thing and I listen where I need to listen? That's an easy prayer as you're going into a meeting, isn't it? Maybe it's coming into a test. Oh, God, help me. Now, if you didn't study, that's probably a pretty bad prayer. But if you did study, (laughs) you pray it. You say, God, help me to remember what I studied. It's the simple prayers throughout the day. Now, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you say a good prayer for them. (laughs) Right after the bad one, whatever you said, right? God, help that person learn how to drive. It's a constant communication. It's a constant conversation. Now, here's where we make the mistake. We think that, okay, if I didn't spend 20 minutes, I didn't do my 30-minute prayer, then obviously I can't pray the rest of the day, and we stop praying, and we don't pray. And here's what happens. Our rejoicing, our thanksgiving is hindered because of our lack of constantly praying and interacting with God. What are some of the reasons and ways in which we pray? Let me just give you a few, few ways or a few, few reasons for prayer. I, can, I just walked down through it. Here's just about eight or nine of these reasons. One, it's just we pray because we want to give God glory. Matthew 6, verse 8. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray because we want to have fellowship with God. Psalm 42, 1 through 2. As the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Maybe it's you pray because you have a need that needs to be met. Is it okay to ask God for your needs to be met? According to the Lord's um, prayer, example prayer, Matthew 6, 11, he says, give us this day our daily what? It's okay to ask what's going on, what you need. What if you need wisdom? James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men what? Liberally. Maybe some of you are saying, hey, I'm in trouble. I need deliverance. Psalm 20 and verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Maybe you need relief from your fear, your worry, your anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can keep going. There's list after list. And here's, here's where we get stuck. We get stuck because we don't think we have time. And so we skip. But pray without ceasing. Now just for fun, I have a website for you. Information age, or information age prayer. Now it might not really, it's more of a joke than it is a real reality thing. But it is actually real. If you need, need somebody to pray for you, you can actually get on this website, pay a premium per month. And what they do is this. 
you type in your prayer, and they'll pray the prayer for you by via um, computer. So if you're too busy, they can type it in. Matter of fact, you pay a little bit more, they'll pray the rosary for you. And if you don't have time to pray the Lord's Prayer, then they'll actually pray that for you, and the, the computer will speak it. And if you're a, um, a Muslim, they'll actually pray several times a day, and they'll make sure the speakers are pointed towards Mecca for you. It misses the whole idea of prayer, doesn't it? What God is asking is this, to pray without ceasing. The reason it's the will of God for you and the reason it's the will of God for me is that because our Heavenly Father wants to interact with us constantly. It's not something that we're, it's a cold, heartless relationship. He's saying, come on, this is the will of God. You want to see your Thanksgiving improve? You start praying. You start interacting with God on a consistent basis. And what will happen is this. Your eyes will open up and you'll start seeing God moving and working in your daily life like you've never seen him work. Pray without ceasing. Okay, you ready? The next one. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Now what's it say? Do you see it? Now we are to what? Give thanks in all circumstances. I really wish he would have just said give thanks. Because if he would have said give thanks and left off the all circumstances, then I would have excuse. And I could use my excuses all the time. God, I'm too tired. God, this is a bad time of day. God, you don't know what's going on in my life. I can't really give thanks because look what's happening. It's, It's a bad time. To give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is where the rub begins to happen. Okay, I'm supposed to rejoice. I, I get that. And I'm supposed to rejoice because I have joy in my heart that God has given me because of who he is and what he's done. Now, I, I understand I'm supposed to pray. Okay, that's works. But to give thanks? To actually say thank you for the junk in my life? To say thank you for the hard times in my life. Are, are you following this? To say thank you when things are not going my way. I can say thank you when things are going my way. I can say thank you when my marriage is going well. I can say thank you when my kids are doing great. I can say thank you when there's money in the bank account. But to say thank you what? When it's tough? To say thank you when it's hard? To say thank you when I'm being persecuted? To be thank you when, when there's actually poor health? To say thank you when a family member's dying? When I'm losing my job? To say thank you then? Are you serious? This is in all circumstances. Now, here's where we begin to walk through this. The reason we show the clay is because it begins to give us a true submission to what God is doing in our life. You see, when we are truly understanding the clay, then Romans 8, 28 begins to take full effect. I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. So then you begin to say thank you. And this is one of the weirdest prayers It's one of the strangest prayers that you'll ever pray, saying, God, right now in the midst of my pain, right now in the midst of this valley, okay, I'm going to thank you for allowing it to come into my life. I'm going to thank you for this cancer. I'm going to thank you for this pain. I'm going to thank you for it. Have you ever done that? It's radical. How do you actually get there? Because this is where you begin to walk through. Okay, Romans 8, right now, God, I'm going to really trust you. That you're going to take this clay and you're going to begin to push on it and you're going to begin to mold on it. Did you see the scraping that began to occur? And the pieces were coming off. In the midst of this pain, God, what you're trying to do is you're actually cutting off the junk and the things that I depend on. God, you're cutting away and it hurts. 
And God, when you put your fist right down in the middle, and it begins to expand out, and you're putting that fist right down, and there's pressure on me. So God, I'm going to say thank you, because what you're doing right now is you're trying to make me the man of God that you've called me to be. You're trying to make me the woman of God that you've called you to be. You're trying to do a work, and you're molding me. And you're using this pain, and you're using this time. So God, I'm going to trust you in this midst of this problem. Do you see it? So I'm going to say thank you. The Apostle Paul was extremely concerned about something. He was concerned about becoming a castaway. About being put off to the side and God not using him anymore. And in the midst of the pain, here's what begins to learn. That God's grace is sufficient. And not only is God's grace sufficient, but watch. That you begin to say, thank you God that you haven't put me to the side. That you still care enough about me. That you're working. And even though it hurts, I am thankful that you're working. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks in all circumstances. We don't like it. We don't want it. And we wish that we couldn't, we didn't have to go through it, right? We wish that God, okay, God, I wish it would be different. But here's what happens. When I begin to give thanks in the midst of whatever I'm going through, the highs, the lows, the good times, the bad, the mountaintops, the valleys, when I begin to give thanks, what begins to happen in my heart is this. My heart changes. And I become a different person. My perspective changes. It's like the little boy, the teacher asks, the kids to write down all the things that they're thankful for. Write down at least five things that they're thankful for. So he begins to write, and he, one of the things that he writes is, I am thankful for my glasses, my eyeglasses. The teacher, as they're reading through them, she goes, oh, I'm so glad that you wrote that. You're thankful that you can see because of your glasses, right? And he goes, no. I'm thankful that the other boys don't hit me and the girls don't kiss me because of my glasses. It's a change of perspective. And sometimes that's what we need, right? Sometimes that's what we need is just a change of perspective. You start giving thanks and it changes your perspective. Now, here's what I'm going to do to finish off. I'm going to be very quick. We know we're supposed to rejoice. We understand that we're supposed to pray. We understand that we're supposed to give thanks. So let me give you three things that hinder us. Three things that hinder us from actually doing this. You ready? Number one is a critical spirit. A critical spirit. When I have a critical spirit, it stops and it hinders my ability to rejoice. It hinders my prayers and it hinders me giving thanks. I read this in the um, um, Hindu uh, Stand Times. They were talking about Bill Gates going over to India and what he was wanting to do. He's right now giving away uh, millions of dollars in order to uh, for humanitarian efforts. And so he wanted to attach and he wanted to try to help out uh, AIDS in India. And so what he did is he, Bill Gates gave $100 million. Now that's kind of mind-blowing, is it? $100 million, just give it away. He gives $100 million to help. And here's what the article said. This was written by uh, Hazara. He actually writes, Bill Gates wants to capture a market in India. Fair enough. He wants to give money to AIDS research in India. Fair enough. Are the two connected? Of course they are. And he goes on to criticize Bill Gates for giving $100 million. Now, just, just so we're in the same ballpark, I don't even understand what a million dollars looks like. Okay, let me rephrase. It's hard enough to even think of $1,000 every once in a while, right? A $100 million gift. And the guy begins to criticize saying it's about something else. 
Now watch. We do the same quite often. We get something good, something good in our life happens, and we begin to criticize and say, God, I wish you would have done it this way. It was good, but I really wanted that job. It was, it was good, but, and we start criticizing. We start criticizing those around us. You know, that the pecan pie was fantastic. What I really wanted is I wanted peach cobbler. And we, we complain, and we give grief, and we criticize over the little things. And when we criticize, what it does is it stops our ability to rejoice, it hinders our prayers, and it hinders what? Our ability to give thanks, because now we're criticizing. The second thing, a critical spirit is number one, a criti- and the second is selfishness. You can write it down as any, any form of, of selfishness. It can c- take the form of greed, covetousness, where you begin to crave and you want everything else. But it's selfishness at the root, at the core. When we are selfish and we expect things to happen and we want it our way, it hinders our ability to rejoice. We can't rejoice for the good things in our lives. We can't be thankful because we wanted something else. Selfishness. There were some prayers by some little kids. They were three years old and seven years old. And just listen to it, even how selfishness comes out even in their hearts dear god thank you for the baby brother but what i wanted was a puppy now these are three and seven year olds i mean they're it's not that bad but that's doesn't that picture who we are what about this one dear god please send me a pony i've never asked for anything you can check look it up dear god I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over my body. We put caveats on everything, don't we? Selfishness. Now let me give you the last one. The last one is probably where we come back to quite often, and it's doubting God. When I doubt God, I pray, and then I put the caveat on it. God, I'd really like for you to do this, but you're probably not going to do it anyway. When we don't go ahead and ask of our Heavenly Father, when we don't interact with our Heavenly Father, when we don't really believe that God can show up, when we doubt God, it stops our rejoicing, it hinders our prayers, and it stops our thanksgiving. Doubting God. My friends... The will of God for your life is really simple. Paul laid it out for us. These three things should be a part of your life. Rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving. How well are you doing? And if you're not doing very well, then maybe today we need to ask God to forgive us. And maybe we need to turn back and say, God, help me this week. Here's your challenge. We're coming into Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving time, it's one of the great holidays where you don't have to buy a lot of gifts for people. It's not about anything else. There's really no lights to put up on the house right now. Yes. I hate getting up on the roof and leaning over. By the way, that just, that just kind of came out. All right, so we're coming up to Thanksgiving, and all you have to do is eat. It's a fantastic time. Here's what I challenge you. You ready? I want to challenge you and encourage you to take the next week or two, and over the next week or two, take just a few moments in your quiet time. And I want you to do something that will benefit yourself and your relationship with God. I want you to begin to make a list of all the things that God has done for you, all the good things, 
Things that you can rejoice about and celebrate what God has done. There's an old song. Count your many blessings. Do you remember that? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. God has done an incredible thing in your life. He's worked. And this could have been, this could have been one of the toughest years of your life. And I'm not taking away from it. It could have been one of the toughest years of your life. In the midst of this extreme valley, God has still done great things. And there's things to rejoice over. And there's things to be thankful for. Take a few moments. Count your blessings. And allow God to give you an opportunity to truly celebrate what he's done in your life. It will help this time to be a time in which you are truly thankful. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I just encourage you, the greatest gift that you could ever have is that God, the God of the universe says you don't have to be apart from him, that you can actually be forgiven, and he offers to you salvation. And it doesn't cost you anything. All he simply does is this. He sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. And he offers to you forgiveness. And all you have to do is come to him. Give him your life and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And Jesus, I now give you my life. Would you be the leader of my life? My Savior. And the Bible says that when you're willing to confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you will be saved. No one will be turned away. And for all eternity, you'll be his. What an incredible gift.